0: Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And down to chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 5. No shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. Wait. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river, watering the garden, flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush, The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. And we know he did, he made Eve.
1: Well, well, good morning everybody, nice to have the chance to come and share with you uh, today and just like to thank all the staff who have come along to our dedication service and they've left their normal place of worship and like to also just uh, acknowledge all, all the new staff. We've got quite a few today for the very first dedication service ever. And uh, some have been teaching and and working for a long period of time, some are just starting their careers, some some are local, some have moved from far away, so welcome especially to to all of you. Let me say a prayer. Father, thanks for this chance to come and share today, we may um, uh, have open hearts and minds and eyes to hear your word to us today and please bless our time of learning and fellowship in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, you've probably heard of this phrase, the great resignation. It's a a fairly new one in English usage coming into existence during the pandemic. And what it means is it's the mass exodus of workers from their jobs all over the world. Here's a statistic. That's for the Mass department. In 2021, get this, 47 million Americans resigned. That's 47 left work and didn't go back. And here in our country, one in five left, they quit. What's what's going on? Why are are people resigning on on maths? And there's lots of commentary, of course, and it's things like people are realising life's too short to stay in in a job they hate. Um, People are rethinking their careers. They want work-life balance, you know, things like stress, burnout, job dissatisfaction, all those things are touted as the reason that people are leaving. They just want some idyllic life or a complete career change. I'm going to try and turn this. Oh, it works. Okay. Our IT always works. That's for, the, that's for Dave and Tom. It's a big change, isn't it, from a, a couple of decades ago when, you know, you sort of got a job and you were you were there for decades until, until you retired, I guess. And um, now it's not about just changing workplaces, it's also about changing whole, whole careers. And so there's this massive worker shortage and, and schools are, are pretty hard hit, along with, like, health and hospitality. And, and Christian schools are, are affected by this uh, as well. Uh, in fact... At late last year, I had eight teachers come to me and say they were, they were working full-time, wanted to be part-time, and we had some members of staff sadly leave just to stop working in schools. It's quite, quite sad, really. So it's becoming a, a critical issue for schools everywhere. Uh, I know one Christian school principal, and he, said, he, he is so desperate for staff at his school, he said to me, David, I only need three things in a potential employee, a potential teacher. One, Christian faith. Two, teacher accreditation. Three, a pulse. <laughs> he did. In fact, this... No, Joe, this guy, he coaxed out of a retirement village a retired teacher in his 70s. He's, he's a, he knows how to, you know, spin the story. And he, um, he got her to come back and work two days a week. If you know anyone in a retirement village with accreditation, you can... <laughs> Let me know. Chris and I had had, um, had lunch in the holidays downtown. I said, Chris, look at that sign on the cafe. Barista wanted, chef wanted, paying above award wage. I said, Wow, really? Cafe and Broom paying ninety-two thousand dollars for a person to make coffee. It's a big change, isn't it, in the world of work? So, um, so with the with, with the media. Constantly talking about the worker shortage, you know, and us being affected by that. I thought I'd come and talk to you about, uh, what's, the, what's the Bible say about work? And we've got a concept of work. By the way, there's no agenda with this talk. I'm not targeting anybody about work. <laughs> but um, we have a concept of work, don't we? Like, like someone working physically, someone moving around is work, someone working at, people working at light speed, fixing local roads, for example... Uh, people hunched over a computer. That's what I do at night sometimes, not every night, because I can't work every night, but some nights I work at home over the computer and um, conversation goes like this. Hey, hey, Dad, what are you doing? Uh, I'm working. What are you working on, Dad? I'm working on a new student punishment and consequence plan. <laughs> hey, Dad, have you heard of the Great Resignation? <laughs> I don't like that. Let's look at Genesis one, very first line. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here in our very first introduction to, to who God is, the very first thing we learn is that God is at work. And what's he doing? He's at work creating. He's making. He's making the heavens and the earth. The distances in outer space are quite phenomenal. They're they're just like beyond comprehension. And God made the whole lot. Amazing who he is. And that's what the Bible starts off with, God at work making the entire universe. And even non-Christian scientists and astronomers agree that stars and planets came into existence. They weren't always there. So the first point is, uh, God is a worker, what did, he, what, did he, what did he make? What did he create? Day one, there were, he made light. And, and day two, sea and sky. Day three, land and plants. Day four, he made the sun, moon and stars. Day five, birds and sea creatures. And day six, land, animals and humans. Now, that's a day-to-day account of God's work. Now, I'm a teacher and I'm going to test you on this in a minute. So make sure you deploy some sort of memorization technique quickly and we'll see how clever you are. All right. And what happened on day seven, though? God, God rested. Why did God rest? Was God tired? No, God wasn't tired. God was not tired at all from all that work. God can't get tired. In fact, the Bible tells us that God never slumbers nor sleeps. He's always working. So God rested on day seven, not because of fatigue, but because his creating work was finished. There was nothing else to create. It was all perfect, wasn't it? It was all done. It was all done. But did that mean that God stopped working? No. God wasn't uh, creating anymore, wasn't making anymore, but he was still working and his work was this. It was reigning over his creation and his kingdom and God's always working working for his kingdom glory and working looking after you and me. Only God can do that. We, of course, are not God and we have to rest. So the first point is that God works. He's a worker. All right, let's get going with Genesis. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. Hmm... Test, what did God make on day three? Land and plant. Oh, very good. The gifted and talented congregation. Hmm. Do you see a mismatch? Something's not right there. This is not related to it. This is just interesting in Genesis. Uh, We're reading now. We're on day six, right? Now no shrub had yet appeared and no plant. Hang on a minute. What was on day three? Plants. Now there's no plant? What's going on here? Well, these are not the same words in Hebrew. This is interesting. There's a little uh, aside. Uh, on day three, God made the Hebrew words desay, which is the, a general word for plants. And that's the day three plants. The words here for shrub and planted, they're different words. In fact, this word for shrub, means weeds and thorns. Notice, they didn't exist before the fall. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, and as for the word plant here, that, that refers to plants like crops, yet to grow and to eat. So they, they didn't exist on day three. These are new things. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God made this beautiful, amazing garden and he made it to be a blessing to the the first humans. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And what's interesting here is that whilst God made the garden, he decided to put Adam into it to work it. And God, of course, did not need any help. He's God. He made it. Of course, he can work it on his own. He's quite capable of tending his garden all on his own. But here we have the first example of partnership in the Bible. God inviting people to partner with him to achieve things. And that's another important point. God God doesn't need us to do work, but he wants us to. He wants us to be um, in relationship with him and work with him for his glory and his kingdom. He wants us to work for and, and with him. And then note also that God knew in his infinite wisdom that Adam needed a helper because Adam couldn't do it on his own. So the second key point today is that God wants us to partner with him in his work. And we see that all the time in the Bible, don't we? This, um, this partnering, you know. Not that God needs us, but he, he just it's his nature to want us to work with him. Hey, did God need Noah to build the ark? no. Did God need Gideon to defeat the Midianites? No. Did God need Nehemiah to build the, to rebuild the wall? No. But he chose to, to use those people, didn't he? He, he? he gave them the opportunity to work with him in his work here on earth. So God uses people even though he doesn't need us. And number three key point today is that... Uh, God wants us, as the body of Christ, to always work in collaboration, cooperation as a team with other believers. Why? Because God knows we need other body parts. We we can't do the work of kingdom work alone. Did Noah build the ark alone? No, his family helped. Did Gideon defeat the Midianites alone? No, he needed 300 soldiers. Did Nehemiah rebuild the walls alone? No, there were many labourers. In fact, you can read the long list of names and their professions in in chapter 3 of Nehemiah. So God uses and wants um, his people to work uh, with each other using each person's God-given gifts and talents. So being a team is really uh, important. At school... Every job matters. Every single job, I'm not not more important than you. Every job is equally important. Imagine if the bins didn't get emptied every day by the cleaners. The place would stink, wouldn't it? It's terrible. Imagine if we didn't have the wellbeing team to support those students having a a tough time on a given day. Imagine if the IT boys weren't there. Lots Lots of work stops without technology nowadays. Imagine if the canteen staff weren't there, the kids would be hungry, you know? And what if, what if the maintenance team wasn't there to work? The lawns would be long and the gardens would be full of weeds and so on. And what if we didn't have teacher A's? Imagine that. Well, I'll tell you what, we wouldn't have a, a non-verbal boy who can now make basic conversations. So everyone matters in the school. It's, um, no one's more important than, than any other. So every single employee is needed to make this, our school our school all working together equally importantly in partnership uh, for the kingdom. Back to Genesis. We have the fall, don't we? And we notice here that the nature of work changes. Painful toil, thorns and thistles, you know, you're going to sweat. And so work changes at at the fall or before the fall... Work was not laborious and a, and a pain and something to complain about and escape from. The, the God-given work before the fall was, was a blessing. It was, it was to be enjoyed. It was to work with God in his um, creation. Uh, but nowadays, the, the nature of work's changed, and we see work uh, differently. And it's the, the, we see it as exhausting and tiring, and it is hard work at school. You know, it's contentious. Industrial laws are very complex And this is all the result of living in a fallen world. Uh, I've started checking my super more frequently lately. (laughs) I'm planning retirement. It's not a biblical concept, but I'm looking forward to retirement. Anyway, I'm going travelling. I'm spending all my kids' inheritance, all of it. (laughs) All right, let's keep going. Hey, this is not biblical... So just some friendly advice from me to you. i like to give advice to people. Please make sure. So whilst we, we're learning today that, that, that God's given us work to do, uh, we're working for him as the boss and that we're also working uh, in collaboration with other believers and we're working in partnership with him. But please keep in mind you've got lots of... don't think of work as just paid work. But works only one of your ministries. You have got family ministry, you've got church ministry, other sort of things. Um, I have to tell lots of uh, early career teachers, uh, particularly this word, reasonable. You have got to do what's what's reasonable, and not and because I think you know the expectation on school staff is to um, you know fix all the problems and all the ills of society, but we can't we can't do that. You have got to keep things manageable. It's a funny job teaching. You sort of create your own work all the time. You're always trying to do things, which is, you know, your servant, generous heart, nature. But we've got to learn to always keep things reasonable and manageable. And whilst God doesn't rest, because he's always doing, he's always working, we can't do that. So we've got to make sure we rest. I don't work every night, a few nights a week, but please keep your work load manageable and, and reasonable. That's important. So I've been talking about, about um, working in, in the Christian school or, you know, when it's you know, well, God, that's a divine appointment. God took me there. That's where I'm working. Or you may be working in the church or some other Christian organisation. But what if you're not working in a Christian organisation? A little story just to end up today. Listen to this. A woman got a brand new job in a large firm in Manhattan, New York. Very exciting, isn't it? You know, financial capital of the world, you know, um, hustle and bustle, exciting. And this woman's working away in her new job in New York when suddenly, after a few weeks, she's at her desk at a computer and she's working, enjoying her job, and she goes, Oh, no. And she realises she's made a mistake with her work. And it's not a small error either. In fact, it's a very, very costly error. She can't believe she's made such a mistake. And she says to herself, well, today's my last day at this place. And the phone rings, and it's her her boss. And he says, I need you to come to my office immediately. And she goes up. And and she sits down at her supervisor's office and, and waits. And he says to her, you've made a very serious error with your work. It's cost us dearly. And she says, I know, I'm sorry. I'm prepared for whatever outcome. Well, says her boss, I had to go to the CEO and tell him what's gone wrong and the impact on the company. And this woman's heart's pounding now and her head's bowed down and he said, I told him the nature of the issue, the mistake. And I told him it was my fault. And at this point, she just looks up and stares at her, her supervisor. And she's trying to comprehend what he's just said. And she can't, she can't speak. And after a period of silence, she says, why did you do that? And he says this, I'm a Christian and Jesus Christ, an innocent man, took the blame for me. I wanted you to know that the guilty can go free. And this woman, she's just speechless sitting there, just can't understand what she's just heard, doesn't, doesn't compute in her mind. And then another period of silence lapses and she finally says, where do you go to church? I want to come. So whatever work you're doing, whether it's in a Christian organisation or not, you can still shine God's light, can't you? Whether, wherever you work at all, secular workplace, working as a volunteer, working as a neighbour or something in conversation, I think one of the best works we can do is to tell others that they too can be set free as you have been and I have been. Isn't that a great opportunity? Or don't think that you can't use whatever job God's given you for his glory and for his kingdom's sake and I've been encouraged uh, by that little story. Well that's all I have to say about work. Thanks for everyone who's working at the school. You're all doing a great job working very hard and we know that's, that's the case because lots of kids keep coming. Talk about working hard, the enrolment managers working long hours, um, the, the team down there, thank you for that. So that's what I wanted to say about uh, work. So it's, a, it's, it's um, something that God invites us to do. And what's important is what's our heart response to that. But we can't kill ourselves in the process because we're only human. And we're going to do, do what's reasonable. And uh, that's it. Let me pray. Father, thanks for our message today. Thanks for the, the work you've given each one of us, our, the divine um, appointments we've, we've, been, we've received from you from Ancient of Days. Father please help us and sustain us as we go about our ministries whatever and wherever they may be. Thank you that you invite us to partner with you in this important work. Even though you don't need us, you still want us to work with you. And we give thanks for that blessing and privilege. And Father please help us to work collaboratively and positively and harmoniously with all of our team members as well. And thank you Father for the gifts and talents that you have given each one of us. We give thanks for our school. We give thanks for all Christian schools throughout the world. And Father, pray for each one of them, that, that all schools and, and, um, and all Christian workers, no matter what field of work they are in, would strive to, to serve you and to, to shine your light into their workplaces. In Jesus' name, amen.